Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Welcome to the first ever Lean Blog Podcast. This is Mark Graben, creator of the Lean Blog. And my guest today is Norm Bodek, one of the leading voices in the lean manufacturing world, and I'm very happy to have him here with us. But first, a little bit about this podcast. It's my first attempt. You'll notice I'm not a professional broadcaster. I'm a, a lean consultant. I've worked with lean um, as an engineer and a, a consultant for about 12 years. And I started what was then the lean manufacturing blog in early 2005 when I was working as an internal lean change agent for a large manufacturing company. I continued the blog as I moved last August into a new role as a lean healthcare consultant working in hospital settings. And so the website evolved into what we call simply the lean blog because it's about manufacturing, healthcare, and aspects of lean that really do apply in any sort of industry. The blog has been really a great learning opportunity for me. I'm, I'm hoping that this podcast will expand my learning and I'm hoping that others are going to join me in that learning journey. So this is the first of what I hope will be a monthly series of podcasts, each of them an interview with a leader or an innovator in the lean world. And today I start with Norm Bodak. He's the president of PCS Press, a publishing, training, and consulting company based in Vancouver, Washington. He discovered and published the works of the truly great Japanese manufacturing geniuses, Dr. Shigeo Shingo, Taiichi Ono, the, the inventors of the Toyota production system. From his numerous trips to Japan, he introduced to the Western world the Kaizen Blitz, single-minute exchange of dyes, total productive maintenance, Hoshin Kanri, Pokeyoke, and other new manufacturing methodologies that have helped companies improve their quality and productivity around the world. Norman's written countless books, including The Idea Generator, Quick and Easy Kaizen, and his most recent book, Kaikaku, The Power and Magic of Lean. You can find more about Norman and his books at his website, www.pcspress.com. Norman, I want to thank you very much for being here on the first Lean Blog podcast. It really is a pleasure to have you here. Well, Mark, I want to thank you very much for doing this with me. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll talk a lot of management issues. Hopefully this will stimulate a lot of people out there to focus more on continuous improvement. And um, our first one, we're going to talk about the quick and easy Kaizen, what this means, why it's so important and why I think it's the heart of the Toyota production system. Well, I, I was hoping we could start off first. We talk a little bit about the background um, of Quick and Easy Kaizen first. That's the title of one of your books, of course. Um, tell us you know, how you discovered that approach, how that might be different than what other people think of you know, with Kaizen or Kaizen events. Yes, they, they are distinctly different. Um, it's a shame that Bob Hall and the other person was, Changed the name. Originally it was called Five Days in One Night. I met Ono's two chief assistants, Iwata and Nikau. They told me they were leaving Toyota and they wanted to come to America to teach us consultants. I said, fine, I'll bring you over and I'll run events for you. And I did. I brought them over and they ran these events called Five Days in One Night. And then Bob Hall changed the name to Kaizen, to the Kaizen Blitz. And it's not appropriate because Kaizen really is small, incremental, Improvement. Right. That's what Kaizen is. Kaizen is change. Kaizen is small, continuous improvement. Kaizen Blitz is really Kaikaku, which is the name of my other book. Kaikaku means radical change, and that's what a right. Kaizen Blitz is a radical change. What Kaizen is, as I said, is 
small incremental improvements, getting everyone in the company involved. Um, the suggestion system, I credited to Kodak and back in 1898, and the first suggestion was clean the windows. It's a wonderful idea. And the, and the purpose of a suggestion system was to get ideas, to get all the employees involved, to empower people, to, you know, to help them participate in a direct way in the organization. But back right. then in the late 1800s and early 1900s, people were just doing very simple repetitive tasks. And the worker, the supervisor, would not let the worker do these things. And very often, when you do start a suggestion system, people come up with ideas for other people to do things and not themselves. So it went from a suggestion system to a cost-saving system where the average American company would, that had a system uh, would get one idea every seven years. That, that's the statistics that was given by the American suggestion system. That, that's per that's employee. Per, employee yeah, per year. Mm-hmm. So one idea every seven years. Toyota, we looked at this in studying American management, they really looked at the American suggestion system, and they said, you know, we want to get all our employees involved. We're doing quality circles, which is putting people in teams, so teams are coming up with ideas, but how do we get everybody to come up with ideas? Small, little ideas to make their work easier and more interesting. And they adapted at first the American system and slowly changed it. So the first year, I think Toyota started on this, they got one idea, per employee for the whole year. After about 10 years, they were up to 46 ideas per employee mm-hmm. per year, one per month, one per month implemented ideas per employee. So that represented millions of ideas. In fact, I published a book once called 40 Million Ideas in 20 Years at Toyota. 40 Million Ideas. Now, it's astronomical when companies think of this. You know, how can I manage those kinds of ideas? In fact, I ran a train, I, I gave a, a lecture out here to a company in Oregon. And, um, the manager had 900 people in the plant. And I said, you know, in Japan, they get two ideas per month per employee. And he said, no, but I have 900 people. I can't manage 1,800 ideas. And he wouldn't go forward. It was so silly. Because you don't manage it. People manage it themselves. People come up with an idea and they do it themselves. Now a lot of people do come up with ideas and they implement it. But the beautiful part of this system in that it is a system, it's a process to stimulate and encourage everybody to participate in change, to use their creative ability. You know, most people have such boring dead-end jobs in factories and most people just hate to come to work. When I ask the question to audiences what day of the week you like, you know, almost everybody says Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. It never really happens that somebody says, I love Monday or Tuesday. Right. <laughs> they don't like work, and yet most of your life is spent at work. And the reason is because they don't have a creative opportunity at work. Right. And this system, Quick and Easy Kaizen, is brilliant in that it gives everybody the opportunity to be creative just for the smallest little thing. I gave a lecture on Tuesday in, in, uh, with, with the Sandia Labs in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I kept misplacing my pointer. <laughs> and then I said to the audience, what can I do? Help me. What can I do? And of course, right away, somebody says, you know, put a string on it or put a piece of Velcro on it or do something. 
there are so many clever ideas we can come up with to make our life so much easier. And so this very clever system uh, became adapted by almost every major Japanese corporation. And the average in Japan is two ideas per month per employee, 24. I work with Gulfstream Corporation in Mexicali, Mexico. And I went in there, I think it was about April of this year. A year ago, when I first went there to give a training, their goal was to get one idea per employee per year. They had about a 1,000 people. They wanted a 1,000 ideas. Prior to that, they were getting about one every seven years, just you know, like the American average. Well, I ran a two-day course with them, and now they're up to a 1,000 a month. So they're getting one idea per employee per month. I'll give you one idea, just one idea here. What they do at Gulfstream is they do the wire harnessing. That means they have people, predominantly women, that are wiring the inside of an airplane. Mm -hmm. And it took these two women seven days to do their part of the, of the wiring, to do this one harness. Seven days to do it. And then they spend four hours to check it out. The way they check it out, they got to bend down under the panel, visualize the panel as the size of an airplane wing, so they have to bend down under the panel and they pull out these plugs, about 50 plugs. They take a plug and they connect it to the panel to check out that their wiring was correct. So it took them four hours every seven days to do that. Well, after my course, and asking the people to make their work easier, this woman, one woman, came up with the idea, instead of bending down, why can't we take all the plugs and connect them to the top of the panel? So they did. They put all the plugs to the top of the panel. Now they just pull them very easily from the top and make the correct connection. Instead of spending four hours, they do it in one hour. So two women save three hours a week times two. That's six hours. Forty airplanes in a year, right? They're saving 240 hours right. from that one little idea. Now, there are 40 panels in that plant. That means there are, yeah. there are 80 other people. So if you multiply 40 times 240, you get about 9,000 mm -hmm. hours that are saved from that idea. Because we so, encourage so, people to copy each other. Yeah. Now, let me ask you then, you, know, you talk about, um, you know, there not being a, uh, I imagine a big bureaucratic process involved in, in harnessing these ideas. I think of, you know, suggestion systems, uh, you know, filling out a form and it goes through a committee and of course there's a lot of waiting time and waste and delays before somebody blesses the idea as, as being a good one. How, how is the process different, um, there with the wire harness? Yeah, very good, Mark. The difference is this, and the, and the reason the old suggestion system was bureaucratic is because they gave 10% of the savings back to the worker. And these are the these are the accountants, you know. They could freak you out because before they're going to give you ten percent. I mean, the funny thing is the company's saving ninety percent, and they're worried about the ten percent. So funny thing, they make a mistake. Well, in this system, you don't give ten percent for the ideas. Some companies do though. Some companies do, like Toyota. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Toyota does both. The average company in Japan maybe gives five dollars for an idea. A lot of companies don't give anything. When I teach in America, I don't encourage any company to give any money. I do encourage them, you know, to share to share profits, to, share, to maybe a bonus system, 
and maybe to give lots of prizes at the end of the month. You know, Toyota does things very clever. You know, if you have, if you're not absent the whole year, they put your name into a, a barrel and they give away like 15, 15 cars at the end of the year. Right. So, things like that. So you don't have to reward people and it's not bureaucratic. A person comes up with the idea and the system encourages that person to do the implementing of their own idea. So as a manager, as a manager, do you ask people to run experiments, and if they have an idea, to say, go try it, see if it works? Is that part of the process? Well, I keep it pretty simple. You come up with an idea, you can check with your supervisor. I tell them to check with the supervisor to get started, but if I'm going to put a piece of Velcro on a little, you know, a little clicker, I'm going to have to ask my boss's permission. You see, the heart of the Toyota system is follows. There are two things that's made Toyota successful, just two pillars. One pillar is lean, the elimination of waste. The mm-hmm. second pillar is called respect for people. Respect for people, which means you trust people. So if you set up a system like this, you trust people that they're going to do things right for the company. And if they don't, they're going to learn just the way everybody else learns. Yeah. So we keep it very simple. Look at Technicolor. I started to teach there. And in 2001, they got 250 ideas and 113 were implemented from 1,800 people, which is a typical American suggestion system, about one every right. seven years. In the last 12 months, they got 27,000 ideas, and 17,000 were implemented from the same population of about 17 to 1,800 people. Sure. And they hired no additional person to administer those 27,000 ideas. Yeah, well, well, you had somebody counting the ideas, I guess, at some point. Well, they count them, yeah, because the way the system works is you write up your idea in a simple form, and you implement it, then you submit it to your supervisor, and the supervisor should keep the statistics for his group or her group, mm-hmm. and then turn it into one central person who's keeping the statistics for the company. And then the ideas are posted up on a wall all around the factory, all around the offices, so people could see Right. Their ideas, and we also encourage people to copy from each other. Mm-hmm. Now, let, let, let me ask you: How do you manage the balance between the ideas of standard work and kaizen and that experimentation? If you have people just trying things, they they may be deviating from that standard. How do you uh, yeah, keep, a very good keep the system from, yeah, a lot from of degrading? Worried about yeah. standard, but you see, the interesting thing about standardized work, as opposed to the old standardized system in America. Is standardized work encourages people to make changes. Mm-hmm. So standardized work is not the old standard that you cast it in stone. Standardized work represents the best way of doing something, and if somebody does it better, you change the standard. So it's the same thing here. Most of these little ideas have nothing to do with the standards. Most of these ideas don't. Some will. Mm-hmm. But most of them are just very simple ideas that people get to make their work easier. So as a supervisor or a leader in this environment, you're you're keeping track of suggestions, and if you see something that's working, you're helping encourage, um, you're asking or you're telling others to adopt, say, hey, this was a good idea, you should be well, doing that also. Well, Mark's very good what you're saying, because, you know, the Toyota system, which I like very much, is the managers are taught not to tell but to ask. Mm-hmm. I owned a company called Productivity, you know, and I had about 127 people, and I never asked. I never asked anybody. I was the boss. Mm-hmm. 
I must have been the smartest because I owned the company. That was my attitude. I never asked. I just told. Toto is totally different. Their managers are taught to ask, right? So what comes up with an idea? You look at the idea. You you compliment them. You never criticize the idea. That's a very difficult thing to do for American managers, but you never criticize. And then you hang it up on a wall and you encourage everybody to read each other's ideas so you can copy Mm -hmm. Now, the worker has to be smart. If they're going to do something that affects the second shift, they should check with the second shift worker to see how it affects them. That's why I like to the second pillar. It's called respect for people. But people are mature. Given the opportunity, they'll do a superior job. So very good. Well, that, that's a very good background into you know, some of the differences in the, the, the Toyota or the, the Kaizen approach compared to, you know, what we normally see with suggestion systems. But let, you know, let's focus on Toyota. You, you had mentioned that there were some changes that Toyota's making to their approach with yeah, the Kaizen funny, suggestions. Yeah, because when Toyota came to America, they were very careful. They didn't want to impose the Japanese system that quickly. They were very careful. And, and this is looking at Numi or Georgetown? It doesn't or, matter. Wherever, wherever Toyota came, they were very careful in setting up their system. Even their just-in-time system took a long time. Very careful in coming over here. So when they first came over, they pretty much adapted the American suggestion system. And then they put a variation, which is mm-hmm. Japanese system. Now the system became an American an adaption. It was different than Japan. Um, Numi in Georgetown and TMMA and up in Cambridge, uh, their system became a combination system. A worker could get quite a few thousand dollars at Toyota if their, if their idea saved a lot of money. This was very rare in Japan. Mm. But still, Toyota encouraged very small ideas. At first, I don't think they gave any money. Then a little money. Then they made a mistake. Somebody said, let's give $20 an idea. So they gave $20 an idea, and a couple of people got very clever. You know, they said one man was so clever that he got himself a swimming pool for the time on $20 an idea. Because if I shuffled a piece of paper from one side, the desk to the other side, and I said, that's an idea, then that got $20. And so one of the senior managers, I don't know who it was, might have been Mr. Cho or whoever was in charge up here, said, that's crazy. We're not going to do that anymore. And so what they did, which happens, you know, it's the old saying is you throw the baby, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So you don't get rid of a good system because you made a mistake with the $20 an idea. I would have just done very simply and said, I'd only give $20 if it's worth $20. It was so simple. It's worth $20, give $20. If it's not not worth $20, then just pat them on the back, thank them for the idea, and put the idea into a hat. Because at the end of the month, maybe you'll have a drawing and give away two tickets for dinner somewhere. Mm-hmm. So there's a story for the people that, that might think that Toyota never makes mistakes. Oh, they made a big mistake <laughs> on the suggestion system because they stopped yeah. it. They went from 50,000 ideas. I think this was up in Cambridge and, and also in Georgetown. They went from 50,000 ideas to 500. This was after taking away the $20 per suggestion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they didn't kill the system entirely, and I have to call them. I haven't spoken to them recently to see if they readapted and they got me smarter. I don't think they did, but maybe they did make some 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 good changes. Hmm. Even in Japan, they reevaluated this. 
and it went from 46 ideas a month to about 9 or 10, I mean, 46 a year to 9 or 10 per year. So they switched the system a little bit in Japan, too. Mm-hmm. Give an example, Subaru, though, a year ago got 108 ideas per worker. Where do you think is that difference coming from uh, differences in management approaches? Are, are there uh, is there more of an effort to track the ideas at Subaru? Because I've always wondered with Toyota, you see the numbers on suggestions, and I wondered, well, how many of those little daily Kaizens, little changes, are they actually stopping and taking time to formally document? I wonder if that reduced the numbers. Toyota documented every single one of them. And that's what I do when I teach. I mean, the 27,000 ideas of Technicolor are all documented, and they're hung up on a wall. And, you know, the un, the ideas that are not implemented, you hang it up because then people can help you implement it. But what I really encourage, though, is I encourage the focus on the implemented idea, not on the suggestion. I like a system that is almost 100% implemented. You know, forcing the work, you come up with an idea and you get it done. You either implement it yourself or you ask your supervisor to help you or you ask a team leader to help you, you know, a team member to help you. Now, some of the ideas might require engineering. They might require maintenance. Right. You might have a pokey idea, which is very good, but you don't know how to cut wood, so you get somebody to help you cut the wood. But I don't want you to leave your idea. I don't want you to come up with your idea for somebody else to do it for you. I want you to keep your the ownership of that idea. Well, the other thing I like about that approach is that it shifts the uh, the emphasis. So many times people bring complaints to their supervisor. Here's what's bothering me, and it sounds like this approach, you really try to encourage people instead of just complaining, come to me with a solution to of that. Of course. That's what, we have a very clever form, which is this is before improvement and this is after improvement. Now, if they have complaints, it's not bad. You, know, you want some avenue for people to express their complaints, but... I like what you said, Mark, which is you turn it around and you get everybody to focus on what we call continuous improvement because that's what Kaiser mm-hmm. means. Right. It's continuous improvement. And, it's, and the, the role of the supervisor, they have to be very careful not to criticize. I was teaching one company and one, one of the first ideas that was submitted, this woman goes to her boss and shows her the idea because we're telling everybody we want you to come up with at least two ideas per month. Most companies now, I tell them I want to see one idea per week. I want you to come up with 50 ideas. And you can do it very easy. I mean, I have people that are coming up with an idea a day. Like in Gulfstream. Oscar Ortez, he, he comes up with at least one idea every single day. Implemented idea every single day. And So this one worker brings this idea to the worker, the, the supervisor. The supervisor looks at it and says, you know, that's not exactly what we mean. So the worker walks out of the room, and what do you think the worker says to their fellow worker? Well, I'm sure they're discouraged, and that might be the last thing they suggest. Absolutely. You're right, Mark. Yeah. They said, I'll never give them another idea. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is this is so simple to do. I'm, I'm, I don't know why. I'm working on this now. I'm working on a new book trying to understand why we don't adapt this. Why don't we do simple things like this? Mm. I mean, Technicolor claimed they saved $8 million last year. That's third year running. So in three years, they saved $24 million from these ideas from their employees. The average in Japan is $4,000 per employee per year. 
Mm-hmm. Ivan Meritor. This is a motor, um, an automotive parts company in Michigan. They also claim that they're getting about $4,000 a year savings wow. per employee. Why are other companies doing it? We're running mm-hmm. to China, right, to save money, and we can save a fortune by just asking our people to help. Yeah. Well, that's all our time. Norman, thanks again for being here on the First Ever Lean Blog Podcast. Thank you, Mark, very much. So that's the first podcast. I would really like to thank Norman for being here. Uh, we talk about suggestions, and ironically enough, this podcast really was a suggestion from Norman. He approached me about the idea of doing an interview and uh, it turned into this podcast, which I plan on continuing as a monthly feature, uh, more discussions with Norman, but also other leaders and innovators in the lean world. And talking about his comments of um, people being in boring, dead-end jobs, as I've been working in healthcare, I'm even seeing cases of that um, in hospitals. For example, in a hospital laboratory, uh, a woman approached me one day and started talking about how she felt like a robot, as she put it, uh, because of advances in the laboratory equipment over time. And here was a scientist, and she felt like she was reduced to the role of material handler, of loading tubes into the instrument, and she didn't even look at the test result most of the time unless there was something really out of the ordinary that required her review. So I talked to her about how Lean, and particularly Kaizen, uh, was going to help make the most of her um, brains and her training and her experience as uh, a med tech, that it was going to be part of her job not just to load tubes into an instrument now, but to come up with ideas every day for making it a better workplace and for ultimately providing better care to patients. So at least in the healthcare environment, we're lucky. It's easy to rally everyone around the patient. That's why people enter the field, and it's certainly a very important reason to come up with Kaizen in a daily work. So whether you're in a factory or healthcare or any sort of environment, if you're working with Lean, as Norman talks about it, I would definitely encourage everyone to look at more than just reducing waste. Look at that second pillar, the respect for people pillar of the Toyota production system, and think about how you can make sure that people are really contributing and not just being robots. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.